We are live. This is Inside the Cylinder. We are your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast and members of the Lineups Network. Um, find our episodes on DetroitBadBoys.com and on Lineups.com slash podcast. Definitely make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We can use all the love, all that Pistons love that you got out there. And um, definitely make sure to hit us up in the comment section on Detroit Bad Boys. That's where we're going to see, you know, whatever it is that you guys want us to talk about. And I think, oh, well, and as always, I am joined here by my co-host, Joey Mack. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Yeah, I noticed that we had, I think, zero comments last episode. So that might have been a timing thing because I know there are a ton of articles coming out. But definitely love to see the feedback and um, also follow David on Twitter. He's got, I think, 1,400 followers trying to get up to that 2,000 mark. I'm assuming the majority of you already do, but I know you all got friends and you got some peeps out there. So send them a follow. You might have and, children, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't have Create a fake account if you need to. <laughs> well, we are back and this is... So I just moved. I actually moved into Detroit. Um, so there was a little lull in our episodes, but now me and Joe are in season form. We will be bringing you new episodes every week. So apologies for the delay in our content. This is actually our first episode since the season started. Um, so we got some catching up to do, um, but we're back. We're hitting it hard. And happy to report that we're both healthy, to my knowledge. Yeah. And like the actual team. We're good. Um, speaking of the team, uh, Pistons currently sit at a record of three and five. Got two wins against the Pacers without Oladipo. Um, recently beat the Brooklyn Nets. Had losses to Philly, Toronto, Chicago, Atlanta, and the Washington Wizards. Um, already p- played two back-to-backs. Uh, schedule has not been um, great from like a condensed game standpoint. Um, hasn't been the toughest schedule in terms of uh, opponents, but that's certainly not played uh, in our favor uh, thus far. Um, is that an excuse at all, though? Like, I'm not. I'm not sure if we can really fall back on that. David, do you think that the the season? Uh, I'm sorry, the the league should be more aware of the early season scheduling in the future. I mean, I think when you have a team, and and we are recording this on Tuesday night, um, but I think when you have a team, um, and I mean even going back to Monday night, uh, who's playing in their eighth game, and there's still teams who have played five games. I think that's definitely something where you should be more conscious of, of something like that. Detroit's not the team that's going to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to favorable scheduling in, in that manner. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say so. I, you know, I don't. I think the the whole fact that they had a traveling, you know, a, a road home back to back for their first two games of the season um, definitely wasn't something that that you'd expect, especially the way that Detroit won that first game and how much energy they exhausted trying to win that game. Um, you know, so yeah, I would of course I would hope that they would be more mindful of that in the future, but I wouldn't bank on it, um, especially for a team like Detroit, who's you know a fringe playoff team at this point. Right, I, th- I think it's probably just the prioritization of 
nationally televised games and, you know, setting that schedule first. And then teams like Detroit, unfortunately, are the outliers and, you know, have rough bumps in the road uh, throughout the season, especially earlier on. So it's a little lopsided, but uh, again, it wasn't the, the toughest schedule um, in the world. And unfortunately, due to injuries, just weren't able to get as many wins as we would have liked. Yeah, and also at the end of the season, whatever Detroit's record is going to be at, no one is going to remember or point back to the first eight games and how they sort of were laid out across the calendar and be like, well, you know, this was the reason why they missed the playoffs or this is the reason, you know, you're not going to have that as like a reference point where you can credibly use that as a reasoning for um, you know, lack of success if that's something that, that does end up happening down the road. Um, but no, I mean, we do have some pissing news to report. Um, most of this is, you know, kind of par for the course over the past, you know, couple weeks of the season. Um, Blake Griffin is still out with a hamstring injury. Uh, on Tuesday, he did participate in some three-on-three. According to the beat guys, he looked pretty good and pretty comfortable out there. So that's good to report. Um, but at the same time, he's already listed as out for the um, uh, New York Knicks game, which you'll probably be watching later on tonight or tomorrow night. Um, and uh, yeah, we also have Reggie Jackson out for another month uh, with a stress reaction in his lower back. Joe, you made a good point when we were talking before the show. I had assumed that a stress reaction was something that had to deal with like, muscle spasms or um, tightness in the lower back or something like that. But it sounds like it's a little bit more seriously. And I know you're obviously not a doctor, but what did you read up on that? And, and I don't know, is it more cause for concern in your opinion? Yeah, originally it just sounded very generic for me. Like you said, I just didn't know if it was general back pain, which a lot of us have, and you just rest up and then eventually it generally gets better, um, although it might flare up at, at some point in time in the future. So I wasn't really sure if this was muscular or structural and how concerned to be. So I did a simple Google search and based on my research, um, <laughs> I, I found that uh, this is more or less uh, a stress fracture uh, in the spine, specifically uh, a break in bony ring of vertebrae uh, commonly occurring at the L4 and L5 levels. Now, it's a lot of scary terminology. Uh, anything having to do with the spine in the vertebrae in the bones in there seems extremely fragile and like it will take kind of a long time to recover from and a very delicate recovery process. Um, what I read also about his injury is that he's going to be re-evaluated in four weeks, which doesn't mean that they expect him back on the floor in four weeks. It more or less means that in four weeks, they're going to see how much pain he's in, what it looks like from a structural standpoint, and how long it's going to take from there for him to continue to recover and get back on the floor. So uh, moral of the story here is we don't have a ton of cause for optimism with Reggie Jackson getting back on the floor anytime soon. Um, and we're going to have to figure out uh, other ways of supplement, supplementing the team 
um, without him in the lineup. And even when he does return, we've been through this before. Who knows what kind of product we're going to get. And also, if you know, you've been following this team over the past couple of years, the term reevaluate after a certain amount of weeks has usually led to a longer duration of, of a player sitting out. Um, and also, ba- basketball is a physical sport. So, you know, you're going to get banged up throughout the course of a season. So it's definitely something that even when he does get back in, in uniform that uh, should be noted, should be, um, you know, monitored, managed from, uh, you know, maybe a minute's perspective or I don't know. I don't necessarily know how the, the, the team's going to sort of manage that whole process, but um, it's definitely delicate and Reggie Jackson, an important player. Uh, Derek Rose, he's also missed the last couple of games, hamstring tightness. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if this is like a load management precaution type of thing because he's also listed as out for the New York Knicks game. Um as well as Tim Frazier, who has missed the last couple of games with a right shoulder strain. So Detroit's three starting or three point guards are all missing time, and um, yeah, that's just no good. That's not where uh, you want this uh, season to sort of how you want the season to kick off. Um, you know, you're already out, Blake Griffin. You're already out. You're you're all NBA player, and now you're missing guys who you were banking on. Um, you know, as insurance, banking on as producers, banking on for points. You know, there's just a lot of missed guys right now on this roster. And, you know, you can see it on the floor when you're, when you're watching this team play, that they desperately need at least a couple of these guys back here ASAP. Absolutely. Well, I, I will say, though, that it does provide an opportunity to give some guys playing time and also the opportunity to carry more of of a load offensively and defensively and certain guys get shots up that they otherwise you know wouldn't get um so hopefully this is something that pays off later on in the season with the exposure of some of these dudes at the end of the bench who are forced into important minutes um and you know they can come full circle you know later on in the season some of that's you know steve kerr used to do with the warriors with the 10th or 11th man um just put them in there and and allow them to to develop uh, on the floor um but this episode uh what we're gonna do is go through um three positives that we each have seen we're gonna try to be a, a a bit specific obviously andre drummond is a positive but but why um so we're going to discuss uh, specific things um, that have went well for the Pistons and then one or two things that hasn't went well. So we're going to try to keep it optimistic um, and uh, a bit more uh, specific than just generalities. Um, so I guess, David, with that in mind, what's the uh, first thing for you that pops out as a, a positive after the first eight games of the season? Well, you mentioned it kind of there with um, you know some guys getting some playing time that weren't getting playing time when the season first kicked off uh, with uh, Svi and Galloway. Well, Galloway was one guy that was going to be getting time anyways, um, but they're shooting well right now. Uh, Galloway, for instance, is shooting 42% from three on 3.9 attempts per game. He shot 36% last year, so great to see him have a tick up. Svi is 
hitting the lights out right now. Um, he's shooting 55% from three on 3.7 attempts per game. Uh, so obviously you're not expecting that to hold throughout the course of an entire season, but it is good to see the guys that are supposed to be the floor spacers on this team actually doing what, what it is in their job description. Um, so that's definitely something that is a positive. The Pistons overall right now are six in three point percentage, um, but they're only 28th in three point attempts per game. So You'd like to see the the coaching staff, you'd like to see Dwayne Casey find ways to get their shooters more opportunities. Um, but in general, I was going into the season, I had confidently stated that, that Svi was going to be the first small forward off the bench. That wasn't the case when, when the season began. He was getting some you know DNPs. But he has been thrusted into the starting lineup because of these injuries. Not the starting lineup, but he's been thrusted into um, some of these rotations because of these injuries and, and the need for shooting. And he's been able to produce. So all in all, I mean, that's one big positive that I hope once the team starts to get healthy and starts to look like themselves again, that will still be able to carry over throughout the course of the season. You know what I've noticed with Speed 2 is... Well... A, he's, he has a very fluid and shot, and he's very confident with his uh, shot-taking. Uh, but B, he's also extremely aware of like the floor and not afraid to put the ball on the floor, although his handle kind of scares me a little bit sometimes. Um, but he's been able to kind of create some separation and penetrate just a, enough to find uh, an outside shooter. Uh, so I think he's done a pretty good job and in, in showed flashes of ability to develop that skill in the future. He's um, Some people have said that he has the, the, the ability to potentially play point guard. I don't see that at all. Um, I just don't see the confidence in his ball handling uh, ability. I do think he also has some spatial awareness issues with like, dribbling towards other guys like on the floor um all things that he'll figure out but uh, i completely agree i mean i'm just super optimistic about um what he can provide for us not only in the future but this year as well yeah and one thing with svi is that when he is shooting he's not working for that shot like these are spot up situations or catch and shoot situations so you know i think that's really good because you don't necessarily want to rely on svi creating off the dribble too much you know I think when you really see this team develop and and hopefully start to hit their stride it's going to be featuring Sfi in these types of situations Um, one thing that I have noticed while watching him this isn't necessarily a negative it just is what it is like you can definitely tell that the scouting report hasn't really caught up to him yet like guys are going under screens sort of leaving him pretty open for some of these shots Um, and uh, honestly, I mean, Detroit hasn't even really run a lot of stuff for Svi. He's been benefiting with guys like finding him in favorable spots. Um, and, and I think that this is definitely, there will be more of an opportunity for Casey and the staff to draw up looks for Svi as the season continues. Um, especially once the scouting report does start to catch up with him a little bit. And I think that's going to happen here soon. Um, but, you know, and like I said, that's not a, a negative. It's just kind of an is what it is type type of thing but uh yeah i mean you know i'm definitely hopeful one thing i wanted to bring up as well 
is with Galloway. Uh, he's going to the line two and a half times per game right now. Last year, he went 1.2 times to the free throw line uh, a game last season. He's hitting 91% from the stripe. So Galloway's doing a little bit of everything. He's really been a, a sight for sore eyes, and he's been much more consistent. I know we're eight games into the season, but still, it's still uh, a good sample size. It's a small sample size, but Galloway's been playing in, in pretty much in, in, in every game. So... Um, and be getting regular minutes, regular rotation minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's one thing that, that I'm definitely excited for. And, and you, you really just hope that both of these guys can be consistent throughout the course of the year. Yeah, they might drop, you know, their three point percentage or Svi at least would might drop his three point percentage as the season continues. But at the same time, like if they can be consistent, if they can be relied upon to hit these shots, um, then that's going to be huge, uh, especially once, you know, as I said, this team looks like itself. Yeah, Galloway also hasn't had one of his signature cold streaks from beyond the arc yet, where he goes like 0 for 6 or 1 for 7 or 1 for 8. Uh, just a game that just like takes him out of the game and doesn't allow us to capitalize over the things that he does well and try to make up for that in other facets. So I, I completely agree, and he just seems that like he's matured in this offense um, thus far. It's early on in the season, but he's he's been um, he's been playing his role extremely well. For me, uh, a positive that I have noticed, and it's an extremely small sample size, but it did pop out to me in the last two games. Uh, Bruce Brown at point guard. I've just really liked his overall vision and passing abilities. Uh, he was touted as out of college as a guy who has point guard abilities. Uh, and a lot of guys get that tag or they get that label, but you don't really know if it's true or not, if they were just able to handle the ball with smaller or less skilled opponents in, in college. Um, but we're seeing that, you know, and if, if you ask me during the offseason or after last year, if like he could fill in the point guard role, ably uh, i would say probably not um but we're seeing refined ball handling skills from him um he brings the ball up the floor in an upright position uh with his head facing you know the uh the other side of the floor not just like hunched over focused on his defender and like not losing the ball he's confidently running uh, the point guard position in that fashion. I noticed with Svi bringing the ball up to the floor a couple a couple of times uh, against the Wizards, like he was hunched over, he was scared of not losing the ball, he wasn't fully functionally running the offense. Um, Bruce Brown doesn't have that shaky handle, which is super good to see. Uh, he averaged seven assists in the last two games, um, but really it's how he did it that stuck out to me. Um, he was excellent at putting the ball. Uh, on the deck, getting in the lane, and then skip passing to shooters on the perimeter. Um, obviously, he's extremely quick. He has a fantastic first step. Um, not a great shooter and not the best finisher. So if he can get by his man, uh, force the defense to collapse a little bit, and then find open shooters, that's an ideal situation for us. He did it several times against the Wizards, found Christian Wood for an open three, and then found Christian Wood again um, when he ended up dunking on whoever that was. I'm not sure if that was a skip pass 
Um, but his skip passes are also like on the money and they're darts. So that gives the recipient of the pass time to have a little bit extra space to shoot it um, or just to have the defender off balance and make a move in, in order to um, get the best shot possible. So, um, I, you know, I just love to see this out of Bruce Brown because it potentially gives us future insurance as uh, a point guard who creates roster flexibility due to his secondary position uh, capabilities. So instead of having to sign a Jose Calderon or uh, even a Tim Frazier, like you can just have two point guards on the roster and then you can have a guy like Bruce Brown who primarily primarily plays the shooting guard or the small forward and then can slot over as a starting point guard uh, if necessary. Again, it's only been two games with him uh, as a point guard and teams will obviously game plan and, and scout him so things will change. But just the raw ability and instincts from him have been uh, have been extremely uh, good to see these last two games. Do you think so? I mean, one thing that, that just to, to add to that, I mean, it, it helps Bruce Brown in that sense because he now actually has at some point he, he has like a, a role on this team, like an offensive role on this team compared to what he has been as like a shooting guard on this roster where he's really kind of a nothing out there. Like you, you kind of stick him in the corner and, you know, hope that he can hit a wide open three once it eventually gets kicked to him. Um, but do you see this as a possible fit, not just like looking forward down the road next season, two seasons from now, do you see him overtaking that sort of, second string third string type point guard spot from Tim Frazier or do you expect Tim Frazier to be you know slotted back in the starting lineup once um once he does get back from his injury I, I think it depends how he plays in the next couple games if he does play point guard in the next couple games I think D Rose Reggie Jackson obviously and Tim Frazier are already listed as out for the Knicks game so I think he'll get another opportunity uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, but on Wednesday against the Knicks. Um, and, and we'll see if he has four or five games that ignites confidence in, in Dwayne Casey. I see no reason why he wouldn't full, fill that point guard role. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Like him standing in the corner on offense and basically hiding him to maybe shoot if like a shot when you don't want him to shoot <laughs> exactly like it doesn't yeah. really make a ton of sense whereas if he does have the ball in his hands um he can kind of make some plays and there's a lot of things with the ball that he needs to improve upon but again the raw ability is there and there's another play against the wizards too i think we were down by 10 with a couple minutes left in the third but it just felt like the game was getting out of hand at that point and we we're on a semi-fast break and he slowed it down and looked for Luke. And Luke came cutting across the three-point line. He hit Luke in stride. And Luke hit a three to cut the lead to, I think it was seven at that point in time. But even watching it live, I was like, well, that is not a play that any of our point guards in the last couple of years or on this roster would make. They would take it, they would take it to the rim, uh, you know, Ish or D. Rose or Reggie Jackson. And it's an open floor. Luke. Kennard's your guy to shoot that three, and he clearly sought out Luke to 
to shoot that shot. So just another example of him just being cognizant of, of the floor in, the, in this situation. And hopefully it's something that he can build upon here in the next couple games. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, I'm not sold on it 100% just yet. But it does uh, give some hope that the Pistons are going to be able to sort of internally manage this point guard situation that they have going on right now with everyone being out. Um, so for one of my uh, positive takeaways, uh, it, it's Christian Wood, you know, Christian Wood producing. Um, he's been averaging, you know, nine points per game in just 14 minutes a game uh, so far this season. Uh, I, I, these numbers are, are probably going to dip a little bit too, shooting 69% from the floor and 58% from three. I wouldn't expect that to uh, carry on for the course of the entire season. Um, and he's been active on defense. Like he, he does get lost sometimes, but he does a really good job of recovering. Um, he plays long. He plays tall. He's uh, you know got some shot blocking abilities. Um, he's averaging two point one blocks and nine point one rebounds per thirty six minutes. Now you know he's only playing fourteen minutes a game, so that might not necessarily ring true if he were to actually get a, a, a larger load. But at the same time, I, I think it is a testament to. To him not being a complete wash on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but this isn't even necessarily strictly about Christian Wood producing. This has a, I'm just excited that Detroit has finally found someone on like the fringe of the league who can actually produce. Like, I mean, you can see like a Robert Covington. Um, now he's not as good and he ha hasn't had as much success as Covington has over the course of of his career, but uh, at the same time, it is nice to see Detroit's you know 15th man on the roster actually be able to play in these games and, and not just be a body that you have, a warm body sitting at the end of the bench. And I think he's going to be playing a lot this season. So I, I think just from like a uh, you know sort of like a team management perspective, I'm really excited about the fact that. Well, that they found someone that they, they've had the they've shown an ability to identify talent when other teams have passed on guys, and at the same time, you know this is a position of need, and and he's been stepping in and playing really well, and you know you might see uh, over the course of the season hit those fourteen minutes a game get beefed up quite a bit, um, especially if he's you know doing what he's been able to do on the floor so far. He hasn't really earned Casey's trust yet because. Even in some of the games that he's played really well, you see him absent from the floor for a, a long stretch of time. But, um, you know, I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. And if he can continue to keep producing, then I think it'll be pretty undeniable at a certain point that he's going to be the guy that's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully getting all those backup power four, backup center minutes once Blake gets back, and then Markeith Morris is coming off the bench. Like, I mean, I'm sorry to Thon Maker, but um, you know, this is kind of how the league goes, and, and Woods the guy who's actually doing a bit more at this point. He's got some monster dunks too, like top <laughs> ten dunks, and some monster blocks as well. He just looks like a guy that, like, if you give him a year in a system and a weight room and a nutritional plan, there's like a lot of potential because he is just so goddamn lanky like it's just like the way he the plays way... Looks, looks like drew league footage yeah like it's... just random tall dudes at the gym just jumping out of the gym getting monster swats and big dunks and he's got the three too so i mean 
it's, he's, been, he's been fun to watch for sure. He's got a step back to too. And he, I, I like the way he's been playing with confidence. Like he doesn't look like the type of guy out there who's just trying to not make a mistake. Like he's really trying to prove his worth on the floor and is not afraid to put the ball on the floor and get to the rack or, or shoot a contested three. So that's been awesome to see. And let me just um, look one thing up. I, I just want to, and I don't know if this is like my eye test, like failing me right now. No, this is true. Yeah. So in those 14 minutes a game, he's getting to the line 2.6 times per game. Like he's, he does get to to the line and, and Detroit is right now is, um, I believe they're 13th in the league at free throw attempts per game. And that's without Blake Griffin. Like last year, I think they were like 17th or something like that with Blake Griffin, who's a guy who gets to the line eight times a game. So the Pistons over the course of, um, you know, this beginning stretch of the season, these other players on the team have been have found a way to get easy points where, you know, that was not the case uh, over the course of, you know, the last couple of years. It wasn't until Blake Griffin got to Detroit that's like, okay, thank God we finally have someone who can get to the free throw line. Um, so, I mean, if, if this these types of trends continue and you get Blake Griffin back and he's also... Um, you know, getting to the line regularly as he has over the course of his career, then that's these are all going to be sort of positives that, that hopefully will start to lead to more wins throughout the course of the season. Well, and a lot of that's an aggressive mentality and a willingness to try to make some plays. Um, and, and a guy who's been doing that and we desperately need it is Luke Kennard. Um, obviously a major positive. Uh, a, a positive that I've written down for me. Um, but specifically, Luke Kennard in the pick and roll has been dangerous. He seems to like to pick and roll on his right hand, so he likes to go right with it. Um, but he's been, like, his his secondary moves after the pick and roll, he generally doesn't give it up. He doesn't swing pass. He doesn't give it to the picker. He... he, he has a little bit of, I mean, he doesn't have speed, but he has a little bit of a hesitation dribble enough to like keep the defender off balance and an ability to score at three different levels. He can get to the rim and do one of his little crafty scoop 1980s. Yeah, well, yeah, like 1980s like um, pivot moves in the lane. Uh, or he, he shoots. I mean, obviously he's a great shooter. He'll shoot uh, the mid-range if he has enough space. Uh, or if he has enough immediate space, he'll just shoot a step back three. Um, and he's been killing defenses with that all season long. And it's not something that I remember as much last year. I think we tried to do it a little bit, but he wasn't as aggressive in that pick and roll. But now he is trying to find his shot out of that play set. Um, and speaking of guys who have been shooting free throws, he's averaging four and a half free throws a game, which is a significant improvement over just one free throw per game last year. That'll go down um, when Blake Griffin goes back just because his usage rate will probably go down a little bit. But he's also coming off the bench and won't be playing as much time with Blake um, other than at the end of games. So uh, he's averaging 16 and a half points a game. He's shooting 46% from three. And these aren't just catch and shoot threes. A lot of them are with the ball in his hand. He has a straight up step back three. He's also shown like the side James Harden three a couple of times. And he's been more than willing to shoot the mid-range 
shot as well. So um, love what I'm seeing out of Luke Kennard. And a lot of that has to do with him putting the ball on the floor and just making things work out of the pick and roll. He's also shooting a career high 12 attempts per game right now. Um, and honestly, Luke's a guy that's like, I, I wouldn't care if he shot it, you know, 20 times a game. I, I would love to see that number go up pretty dramatically. Um, even when he takes like a, what would be a bad shot for most of the guys on this roster, uh, I'm okay with it. Like I want Luke to have like a, essentially there's an unlimited green light from this coaching staff. Um, because he's one of the guys that, I mean, he's just the second best or you know, him, Derek Rose, and Blake are, are the three best scorers on this roster by far. So, um, and this is a team that needs points. Um, and I would love to see, and I know we haven't really been able to, to see it develop over the course of Luke and, and Blake when they're on the floor together, but Blake had, was so good in that little two-man game on the elbow with, with uh, Reggie Bullock and even with Wayne Ellington. Um, I would love to see that sort of develop and flourish over the course of this season and, and, and moving forward after this year. Um, because then I think it could just be that that should on paper, that should just be a lethal two man game. And we haven't seen it come to fruition just yet, but I, I think that there's something hopefully there because both those guys are, are too skilled for that not to become a big weapon for Detroit, you know, moving forward. It's a great way to utilize both of those players on the floor at the same time, too, and get them involved directly in the play. Because, you know, we've struggled with Luke, Luke's mentality when he's on the floor with Blake and deferring to him, and also, like, how do you both get both of them involved? And that's a great way to get both of them involved, and it puts the defense in a really compromising situ- situation because you have to... I mean, both of those guys can make plays from from anywhere. So it completely spreads the floor. And, um, you know, they will be sharing the floor again at the the end of a game. So um, with, you know, seeing Luke's success, and we know how good Blake is, I think that is, uh, you know, a great play uh, to maximize our efficiency on offense. Are you worried at all that a lot of these positives that we've been talking about are because of uh, increased roles due to, you know, obviously injuries on the on this roster. I mean, Bruce Brown's a little bit different in, in that sort of point guard situation, but with Luke Kennard's, you know, usage rate, with Christian Wood getting um, steady minutes, with, um, you know, Svee and Galloway getting looks, especially for Svee, I think Galloway will always be kind of a part of this uh, equation here. Are you concerned at all that when Blake does get back, not necessarily like a rhythm issue, but like that... Casey's gonna go to like you know the devil he knows compared to like the devil he doesn't know type of situation where they just let Blake do Blake ball and you know all these other guys kind of get stifled with with him returning obviously it's better with Blake back in the lineup but still like does that concern you at all that you're gonna see I don't know rhythm confidence opportunities sort of drop for these guys and it's not gonna sort of grow as one as, as what we would hope for to be honest, it does. It'd be one thing if these, all these guys are providing an opportunity, right? And I think the most, for the most part, they've done pretty well. Defensively is a whole nother story, but all the guys that we've mentioned thus far have impressed us, and that's good. Um, I, I think that, it, as well as another guy in Andre Drummond. So I think it needs to become a situation where Blake needs to find a way to play 
to, to supplement these guys and how they're playing as opposed to these guys transitioning to play with Blake. And if for whatever reason we're down by six against the Hornets, then you just then it's Blake time. You know, then you stop playing games. But I, I think that we have a pretty good role going on. And in Andre has been a dog. And I, I think that you yeah, I mean I just think that you can't break up the good things that are happening on the floor. And I would hope that Blake and Dwayne Casey agree. Like Blake knows that he can't carry this team to the Eastern Conference Finals. He knows that he needs Luke to make shots and to put up 15 to 18 points a game. He needs Andre to be a beast on the boards and make some weird scoop shots. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I, that does concern me. And, and I just hope that um, that is the mentality once he does get back on the floor. And I, I think it will be the mentality. I think he, he's definitely going to be, you know, looking. He, I, I think that he's been excited about what he's been able to see from these guys so far. But I, I think it, it actually does, even though I said it's not a rhythm thing. I think it actually is more of a rhythm concern than, than anything else. So we'll see how it pans out. But, um, I mean, in a perfect world, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these positives still ring true. Uh, two months from now and, and you know Blake's been healthy for that entire course of time so um, but yeah uh, you mentioned it Joe my last positive is Andre Drummond um, he has been a monster over the course of this season so far 21 points 19 boards two and a half blocks 1.8 steals two and a half assists I mean he's just been stuffing the statue like a, a fantasy god right now if you play fantasy basketball um, and, and it's not just the stats, you know, he's been really excellent on defense, timely blocks, altering shots. Um, he's taken so far this season, the next step that we've been asking for, um, both on defense and on offense. He's ditched a lot of those sort of like long, hopeless baby hooks where he's kind of getting pushed out of the paint. Um, he's been squaring up. I actually talked to his trainer last year on this podcast, um, Stan Remy, about that, about like his ability, his handle, his you know willingness to square up and you know t- take guys to the rack, bullying his way to the cup. I mean, these elements of his game, using his body to, to create separation and to get deep into the paint, um, you know, being more engaged and um, you know, a better rim protector and, um, you know, still doing what he does in, in the passing lane. These are all the things that we have been asking for out of Andre Drummond. And, I mean, he's really put the team on his black while, back while Blake's been out. And, I mean, I, I really can't say enough positive things about Andre Drummond. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's really all that you could ask for. Um, so, I mean, that's my, my, my final positive, but it's a really big positive because... You said it, Joe. Andre's just been an absolute dog this year, and it's been a lot of fun to see. Um, you just hope that over the course of this season, once Blake gets back, you know, he still continues to produce. Maybe not as many high-counting stats, um, at least on the offensive side of the floor, but that, that you know, it's going to be a, a overall positive for this team and leading to more Ws. There seems to have been a mentality shift with him as well, like, there's no slumping of the shoulders, not as much complaining slash like pouty body language. 
he's he, he just seems like like an alpha out there, and he's playing like it, and uh, he's he's being more physical. Obviously, the rebounding's there. We know that. It's the other facets of the game. It's how physical he's willing to play. Is he? Yeah, is he going to put his shoulder down? Yeah, get a couple offensive fouls. Get, you know, put your shoulder down into a guy. That's fine. We'll live with that, right? And he's done that. And, it, it, yeah, I mean, every single game, he's just been an absolute monster pretty much throughout the entire game. It's, you know, he didn't play great against the Wizards, but he's had these consistent four quarters um, throughout this entire season. And we all know he's an... Iron Man, you just hope that, you know, he's also human. You just hope that, like, we don't literally run him into the ground because he's doing so much for the team and playing these crazy minutes. He, we're down, it was clearly a game over against the Wizards with, like, a minute left, and he was still in the game, down, like, 12 or 15 or whatever it was. So, yeah, that, that, that was that was weird. It's like, take him out <laughs> of the goddamn game. You cannot risk losing him at this point. Yeah, who cares about a 20-20 at that point? He only had, like, 15 points or something, too. It's just like, come on, man. But, um, yeah, he has been a monster. We could have a whole podcast about Andre, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, another positive for me, and this is just going to be really brief, then we can just get into the negatives, um, is, is D. Rose's ability to get the, to the rim. Um, he's athletic. He's explosive. He's lost a lot of that explosiveness, I think, more vertically than horizontally, like from a jumping standpoint. I didn't watch him a ton in Minnesota, but I've been super happy with his ability to get by in one-on-one situations his defender and get to the rim. Now, I think he's took taken too many shots and not dished it enough. I think he needs to get a little more familiar with the offense and where guys are going to be. And Blake's been out. And Reggie's been out, so he's been trying to will us to games, but he's just so dynamic, averaging right around 20 minutes a game, or I'm sorry, 20 points a game, and playing way too many minutes a game due to those guys being out. But, um, you know, hopefully we can manage him <laughs> from a health standpoint enough to keep him throughout the season, um, which is what we're doing right now. Anything on D Rose? No, man. I mean, I think you painted the picture perfectly it's just uh you know it's kind of a it's not a negative it's just it's more so just a scary proposition that's like okay a lot of these guys are doing what we wanted them to do and they're you know stepping up into their roles that that we've you know kind of outlined for them going into this season and that you and i have had a lot of conversations about um they're still three and five they're still, you know, not the most talented team, not to, you know, just to put that lightly. Um, and you really do hope that, that because you see, like, the blueprints of this team being able to go on, like, a five-game winning streak randomly, you know, and, like, a, just, you know, winning five of six in, uh, you know, February or something like that. And then, you know, just being able to, like, put up enough wins to to not make it a nail-biting situation come the end of March. Um, but there's just so many questions with, like, the health and, you know, what things are going to look like once this roster sort of actually actualizes itself into what it's supposed to be, what it's going to be. Because so many of these, like, lineups are, are so strange and there's so many new lineups that are going on with this team that you know that the coaching staff has no idea 
what they want to go with once all of the guys are back because that's going to be like a whole like essentially like a brand new team that they have now a better team because they're more talented players but still it's like okay how are we going to be able to make this thing flourish once the guys that you expect to be there Blake you know hopefully Reggie Derek Rose are all available and ready to play games you know for major stretches throughout this year I also think that it's gonna be a fun team to watch once in knock on wood hopefully when they're all healthy like Derek Rose been a lot of fun um Blake Griffin's Blake Griffin Andre's been fun to watch Christian Wood we talked about him he makes big plays like that's not something we've really had since like the going to work Pistons like so there's some excitement there um just from a, a viewer standpoint not a league pass team by any means, but at full health, I think they're a fun team to watch for just like the casual NBA viewer. I mean, even the 15, 16 team, Reggie was doing his thing. Andre had a great year, 16 and 16. You had Tobias and you had like Marcus Morris just, you know, and KCP. I mean, that was like a fun team to watch. It was definitely the most fun team to watch over the past five years or longer than that. I mean, that was definitely, I mean, for me at least, that was the most fun team to watch of this, you know, current piston sort of dna that we've seen over the last you know few years um all right my negative i'm gonna keep this brief as well um because you know we're trying to stay positive three and five eight games into the season guys are coming back eventually um and hopefully they start to rattle off some w's but um one thing that has uh, been a negative is that the pistons have been dropping winnable games um and this is more so winnable games in the sense of, hey, look at the schedule, look who you're playing. And when you, you know, when you looked at this schedule preseason, um, when you're going to look at this schedule at the end of the season, you're going to look at like the Hawks at home, like that's a loss. You're going to look at at the Bulls, you know, that's a loss. You're going to look at at the Wizards, another loss. Like these are all teams that you'd expect to win against. Obviously, Detroit has been depleted and is injured. But that doesn't matter come the end of the regular season. If you're on the outside looking in and you miss the playoffs, um, sure, yeah, it, it's really un- unfortunate that you didn't have those guys. But you still would hope that that this team would be able to find those wins against teams that I do not expect, that a lot of people do not expect to be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, and, and just to note, you know, the second half of this schedule, of their schedule, is brutal. It's riddled with tough Western Conference games, uh, a Western Conference road trip at the end of December, um, another Western Conference road trip in February. Like this schedule is going to get tougher and tougher and tougher after November. So this was really a a time in in this schedule where you were hoping that Detroit was going to be able to create a little bit of a buffer. Um, And they haven't been able to do that right now. You know, they're three and five. They're kind of keeping their head above water, but... Um, it's just really unfortunate that, you know, the season started off how it has because, um, you know, if you have Blake in these games, you're probably not losing to the Hawks, but um, you're probably not losing to the Bulls or the Wizards, but, you know, you did. So, um, you know, you're going to have to find a way to, to stretch out some wins, you know, here soon because you can't have this team go to, you know, 7-15. and 15. Like, that's not going to be uh, an easy mountain to climb at that point it's also triggering because that's the same old narrative that we've seen 
you know, several of the last couple of years where you're sitting on the outside looking in and you had that loss back in February or November to a really bad team. And that was the difference maker between making the playoffs or just being in a better, uh, being a better seed in playing a, a lesser team. And good teams don't lose to that Wizards team. Um, we, we were missing, you know, our top four ball handlers, which I suppose is a, an excuse, but it's just, a, it's a tough, it's a tough hit. It's, it's an tough L. Hit. It's still an L. <laughs> it's still it's an, an L. <laughs> yep, it's in that clown. Um, for me, I, I, I dove into this a little bit because I, the eye test told me that although Andre Drummond is the best rebounder in the world, we are not a good rebounding team. And the numbers back that up. Uh, we're all aware that Dre, he's the best in the world at rebounding. He's on the Mount Rushmore of rebounders of all time. And the best since Dennis Rodman and up there with like Moses Malone and, you know, Will Distill or whoever. And, he, and he's putting up monster numbers again. He leads the league in rebounding with 19 per contest. That's four more a game than Kevin Love who averages 15, which is great in his own right, but still four more. That's crazy. He has four 2020 games, just numbers that are off the charge. charts. Sorry. Um, but it's but rebounding is still a significant issue, although Dre is dominating the glass. Detroit is seventh, I'm sorry, 27th in the league in total team rebounding in 23rd in offensive rebounding. I noticed... I think it was a second game against the Pacers when Andre wasn't in the game. They were feasting offensive rebounds against us and had several opportunities and several second chance points that could have dictate dictated the ultimate outcome uh, of the game. Um, so, you know, Don Maker, Christian Wood, not getting it done. We need to figure out a way to get these rebounds, possibly getting wings involved in order to be aware and box out and crash the boards a la Marcus Morris a couple years ago when he pitched in because Andre can't do it. Even when he's in the game, he can't do it himself. Everybody's got to get involved. Tony Snell, I do not have his stats pull up in front of me, but I looked at him earlier. I believe he averages one rebound a game and change. And my man's 6'8 and super lengthy. So it's like, we need to, you know, we need to get these defensive rebounds that Andre can't get to. And it can't just be like the Jordan, Michael Jordan effect, where you're just sitting around watching a guy do all the work. Jordan, you know, it was Jordan. He was an offensive player. But Dre is just, I feel like we feel like he's, you know, we just watch him suck up all of these rebounds and don't do enough, um, you know, individually on, on the role players' parts to ensure that we're getting these loose balls because that's make or break, especially late in the game uh, in terms of who has the possession. So something's got to give there. It will get better when Blake Griffin comes back, but just something that stuck out to me and I think that needs to be addressed because you shouldn't be 27th in the league in rebounding when you also have the top rebounder in the league who averages four plus rebounds a game more than the the dude in second place yeah and they're 18th right now in defensive rebounding percentage um but that number's kind of a little skewed 
a little higher than you'd expect just because of Andre Drummond. It's like that's just that's an that's an Andre Drummond stat more so than it is like a hey you know the team's kind of keeping their head above water with, with their like rebounding percentage. It's like no, that's uh, that's Andre Drummond. You know, kind of really just. I mean, he does make that painted area sort of his territory. But you're right, Joe. Like I've seen the same thing where it, there is that sort of stand around and watch effect. And you know, you're seeing Dre like kind of like tap the ball and like try and, and lots of times it doesn't go his way right like you know you tap the ball try to try to get your hands on it and you know it falls to the to the opposing team and you know if you think that if you are have one of your wings crash to assist then you're going to be able to you know either secure a defensive rebound or get another second chance opportunity off the offensive glass so um yeah i've definitely noticed the same thing too but um it, no i'm i'll also, go ahead sorry well no i was just going to say with the amount of minutes that Dre's been playing, like against the Wizards, towards the end of the game, we were struggling getting rebounds. And we can't rely on Andre Drummond, who's like top eight or nine in the league in, in minutes played per game, who bangs down low, who, you know, puts full court pressure on guards to to just suck up all of these rebounds. Um, you know, that needs to be taken into account. And other guys need to make effort plays in order to ensure that, you know, we're, get, we're getting all these boards offensively. And, you know, it'd be nice to pitch in a couple offensive rebounds here and there. Completely agreed, man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we've covered it all so far, at least uh, uh, today's episode. Um, what's the schedule coming up? They got the Knicks coming up. Um, that's going to be tomorrow um, or today when you actually listen to this episode at the Pacers Timberwolves at home. Um, so the next time that we record, it'll probably be following the Miami Heat game, um, who is second in the East right now. So, uh, you know, there's a lot in the line in these next few games. And, you know, hopefully Blake Griffin gets back sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, we will see. Because as I said, like, you really don't want to fall too far in the standings right now because. Detroit just, you know, historically hasn't been a team that's been able to produce bulk wins, um, you know, late in the season. So, uh, so we shall see. That's all I got, Joe. All right, man. Until next time. Until next time. Hit us up inside the cylinder. Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R on Twitter. Peace.